Hello, and welcome to another year-end edition of Houston. We have a podcast. Uh, we are, as is becoming our annual tradition, doing our top 10 movies of the year. Um, so this one being our top 10 movies of 2020. Um, I'm here with just Paulo, no guests. Um, just Paulo. <laughs> just Paulo. Um, <laughs> so the way that we've done this, kind of similar to how we did last year, is uh, me and Paulo have each come up with our own top 10 lists. And what we did is we merged those together uh, to make a consolidated top 10, which is what we're going through today. Uh, the ones that we both agreed that we liked are at the top. In the case of this year, the top four movies are ones that both of us had in our top 10 list. We both like those. And then numbers five through 10 are ones that one of us had and the other one did not. Um, so it's not just going to be a kind of pat on the back of these movies. I think there's going to be uh, a little bit of critique or conversation about whether or not these are actually good movies, uh, especially the first one that we'll be talking about. <laughs> um, so yeah, before we uh, jump into that, I just wanted to kind of pose the question of, is there anything you wanted to give an honorable mention to or things that you maybe have on your radar that once you get a chance to watch them, you think might be on your top 10? Um, so for me personally, um, I saw a shitload of movies this year for obvious reasons, um, not having anything else to do and being cooped up at home. But, um, I don't feel even with the sheer amount of movies that I watched, I don't feel like I saw that many things that I would have, I feel like I've left out of my top 10, um, I, I will give an honorable mention to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, not because I particu particularly lo loved it that much or even liked it that much, um, because it's not normally the type of thing that I would watch um, or enjoy, but I just thought that it was very well done. And it's uh, based on uh, a play, uh, um, which you can immediately tell like 10 minutes in. Um, I don't know how to explain. It's just like the way that people talk, the the way the way that all the actors like uh, are, I don't know how, how dramatic they are, and just the, the 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 monologuing that they tend to do in that movie. Um, you you can immediately tell that it's based on a play, um, and it's about uh, a black jazz musician in olden olden times, uh, like I don't know what year, seventies, sixties. The time where like racism is <laughs> that's all of time <laughs> yeah uh, i had to stop myself there it's i'm not explaining it well but anyways it did make my top 10 anyway but shout out if you're into that kind of thing um i don't know and, and i i feel bad almost feel bad for including my my 10th our 10th place movie <laughs> so um uh, but we'll get into that later <laughs> Yeah, so two movies that I saw that almost made my top 10 but didn't for exact opposite reasons would be Mank and Possessor. So Mank is like an incredibly well-crafted movie. It's in black and white. It's all like, you know, artsy art form. But I didn't really care about the story or the characters at all. But I appreciated the craft of it. So I, like, I, I liked it for that reason. Whereas Possessor is the complete opposite, that it's a very sloppily made movie. Um, I think it was the director's second movie, son of uh, famous Canadian director David Cronenberg. So Brandon Cronenberg is the one who made it. Um, and you can tell that it's early in his filmmaking career, but the ideas and the stories are really, really interesting. And I feel like if you merge those two movies together, you'd have like the best movie of the year. But for complete opposite reasons, they're just like not good enough. Um, and then <laughs> the other thing I wanted to give a shout out for was um, there's a 
Carrie Mulligan movie coming out called Promising Young Woman, which is kind of like a revenge slash horror tale, which is on a lot of top 10 lists for people that I respect. And so, you know, based on that and the trailer, I feel like it's something that I'll like. I just haven't been able to find a copy of it. So uh, depending on when I can watch that, that might get inserted in. Is the, is the lady in that one uh, also in Hobbs and Shaw? Or am I thinking of a different movie? Uh, you mean like the main sister of what's his yeah. face? No, no, no. Jason Statham? No, Carrie okay, Mulligan's no, like very classical British actress. Actually, I don't even no, know sorry, she's I, British. I, I know it's not Carrie Mulligan. I just thought there was... Um, I, it's oh. like she was in it as well. What's her name? Vanessa Kirby? I think she yes, she may right. be the supporting actress, actually, now that you mention it. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So I'm not completely crazy. Cool. All <laughs> right, so without further ado, let's start the top 10 list. And an entry that I'm very interested in, because we haven't talked about this, and you're going to have to justify why this is on the list. So uh, <laughs> why don't you take it away? So at number 10, we have Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> And um, Carson is shaking his head already. Um, I, for reference, I, I would like to preface. Yeah, for reference, you asked me about this a few days ago, and I told you not even to watch it because it was so disappointing. <laughs> but now it's on our top ten list. Your, your Sorry, exact go ahead. Words where it's shockingly bad. Carson's yeah. exact words where it's shock, shockingly bad. Um, maybe I'll post the text <laughs> message uh, on our Instagram later. But. Um, <sighs> Honestly, I don't even know where to start with this. I, I feel like I, I I liked watching this movie as a spectacle. Um, and just there are so many things in it that I don't think I would ever see in like a, a blockbuster, quote unquote, blockbuster movie. Like Pedro Pascal is like channeling his inner Nick Cage. Um just like the 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 it's oozing with like cheesiness from the very beginning. Actually, no, the very beginning sequence it was like I think the most normal part of the movie. Um, it's this whole like uh, Diana as a as a little girl and she's ex- uh, she's uh, participating in some uh, like Amazonian Olympics com- competition. That part was like cool, but then from that point on, it's like a normal movie. And then from that point on, it's just instant cheese, instant over the top like insanity like it doesn't make a lot of sense it's really like she's like w- like fighting bad guys and like winking straight into the camera like i thought the 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 first 20 minutes were like an energizer commercial <laughs> it was, so like i mean not to say that it was i mean i so, i, I have it on the top 10 one thing to mention before we go too much further, we're going to be going into spoilers for all these movies. Yeah. So if you don't want to hear this, I'll post the time codes in the description so you can skip ahead. But we're going to be talking spoilers about everything on our list. Yeah. And I mean, especially for this one, like we, I could do a whole episode on this, a, a, a whole podcast episode on this because there's so much wrong <laughs> with it. And I think Carson will help me <laughs> explain some of those things. But I mean, it's just like I I just enjoyed it while I was cringing. It's hard to like ex- hard to express. Maybe I, I could compare it to uh, watching Triple X Return of Xander Zam- Cage because I always talk about that movie on the podcast, even though it's a, the dumbest movie ever. 
but like I was entertained and that's how I felt in this uh, watching Wonder Woman and also um, right before I get into spoilers I think it was so naively positive um, that uh, I mean I, I think and my my fiance made a, a good point about this maybe it was the movie that we needed to end off the year because we just needed some positivity in our lives and maybe i just also feel like it's super bad at the same time because i'm just hardened and cynical it, it <laughs> does feel like because dc went through the times where everyone thought they were going too too much to the dark gritty side of like batman versus superman um and even wonder woman one like they had like muted colors and they were kind of trying to stay a consistent theme of like the DC universe. And then at a certain point they decided, Oh, this isn't working. Let's just be like Marvel. And then <laughs> justice league was made and it was all like, you know, bright colors and everyone make jokes and stuff like that. And then <laughs> it seemed like that got bad reviews and they're now doing the Snyder cut and they're kind of saying, okay, we do need to go back to something a little bit more cinematic, more dark, more gritty to be differentiated. But I think at that point they had already wrote and shot this movie. And so like they made this movie under the assumption that they were going to continue on that, on that, the, the Marvel path. And it was like all this, and it just, it just doesn't fit what DC has <laughs> done. Is that your hypothesis or do you actually know? I don't, that... I don't know, but it just, it feels okay. like, okay. So, so this is the part where we're going to go into spoilers. Yeah. There's a certain point where all of a sudden she just brings her invisible jet out of nowhere and then another <laughs> yeah. part where she starts flying, which doesn't make any sense in the continuity of the DC universe because she's not flying in Batman or Superman. And it's just like, oh, we need a scene that makes it look like the old TV show. And it's like, it, it was just bizarre that it's like, I didn't understand what was bizarre. going on. I didn't understand yeah. what they were trying to go for. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I understood what they were trying to go for. And like from this point on, disclaimer to anyone listening, it's straight out spoilers for the rest of the episode. Like I can't explain my love for this movie without spoiling everything. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, – oh my god. I still don't know where to, where to go with it. There's so many things. Like the, the invisible jet thing that you were just mentioning, I just want to make a side note about that. Like the, that whole scene where – they, they're like having a conversation where, oh, we need to fly to Egypt or something. So she just walks up to the museum with uh, Chris Pine, who's come back to life. I'll explain the story of the movie later. I just have to get this off my chest. But they walk up to the museum and they steal a plane. And he somehow just knows how to fly it, even though he's been dead for 40 years and like technology is completely different from World War One. Because flying is flying and he's a good pilot. <laughs> yeah and then she makes it invisible but anyways um like okay sorry i have to like collect myself i'm getting excited just i do agree with one thing you mentioned that pedro pascal absolutely hamming it up is genuinely entertaining despite the fact that it doesn't really fit into any type of like mm -hmm. what they're going for um but he's like so comically bad it, it is funny it, it is similar to a <laughs> nick cage type thing yeah so, I mean, before I went off on that strange tangent, I was trying to say, like, I think I know exactly what they were trying to do. Like, they, they were trying to make it, like, cheesy. And, like, from what I've read, it's like a like a nod to, like, old, like, Wonder Woman movies or, like, 70s, 80s, where it's, like, very, uh, is it tongue-in-cheek or, yeah. like, hammy, cheesy, that whole thing. And that 
that like is evident from the very first sorry the second scene that i'm talking about there's like a fight in the mall where she's like handling these these robbers these jewelry store robbers and like saving children and it's I, I can't stress enough how cheesy it is from that point on. It's definitely like they're trying to remake something from the 80s or 90s that just like you can't get away with that today. And it, so it's an interesting comparison to a movie I was just talking about, Possessor. So I, I mentioned that it was made by Brandon Cronenberg, who's the son of David Cronenberg, who's very much known for like the uh, the physical body horror type stuff where it's like stuff made of masks, stuff made of like physical special effects. And I had wondered going into that movie, like if he's going to try to do some of that stuff, because you can get away with that in the 80s and 90s. You can't really get away with that in the 2020s. But he did, and he did get away with it. Like it actually worked in a bizarre way. Whereas like what they're doing here, it's like, okay, they're trying to recapture that magic or that uh, idea of what superheroes were 30 years ago. But it's like people, even Marvel, when it's really funny and like upbeat and has jokes, they still try to take themselves seriously somewhat. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's where I, I start to lose it because I don't know if, like, they're doing all these things and I don't know if they're trying to be serious. Like, Pedro Pascal, for example, like we mentioned, he's hamming it up, like, all the way. And I, I, think, I think of him as, like, a good actor. And I, I just can't imagine what direction he was given to to make the choices that he made like or if he just saw how the movie was coming together and he was like okay i just have to like completely go for it because this is off the rails like he he's so i I mean i can't just keep saying he's so over the top like you get the idea if nothing else he has avoided himself being typecast because (laughs) he was playing more serious i guess like in game of thrones he was kind of more silly as well but it's like he's shown despite the fact that he didn't do it particularly well actually no i won't say that he was bad i would say that it was a bad choice because it didn't really fit the movie but he was good at executing it and i think it'll help his career because it'll bring more roles for him to be like oh you're not just the mandalorian or you're not just like this serious guy Wait, so you're saying, like, his choices didn't fit the movie? Like, you feel like it didn't fit the movie? It's hard to say because, like, what is the movie? Like, it's so bizarre. <laughs> but it's okay. like, I feel like in terms of execution, like, he did it properly. It's just that, mm. and maybe it's, they tried to combine too many different themes and styles into the same movie because it seemed like he was off on his own movie. And then, like, Gal Gadot <laughs> was off on a different movie and they were somehow on the screen at the same time. I I. I don't know. I kind of disagree with with that little bit about Pedro uh, saying in that I I think what he was doing exactly fit with the movie with like it was a bit of a bit of ridiculousness, which I think fit maybe not the intentional theme. But I mean, let me get into the story because like uh, just explain the the plot if I if I can, because I think it'll make a little more sense. Um, But basically, there's this stone this wishing stone that was created by gods that Gal Gadot finds, or she works at uh, the museum with Kristen Wiig's character, who we have not mentioned yet. Um, And Kristen Wiig is like a, it's like one of those, um, she's all that type characters. (laughs) (laughs) She's like the unpopular, no one cares about her. Um, And anyways, they they find that they're working on the stone um, and uh, they soon discover that it grants a wish to whoever's holding it. 
Um, and so Kristen Wiig wishes to be like uh, Diana because she seems so cool to her. And then Diana wishes for a Steve back. And then Pedro Pascal comes in because he's like this oil baron whose uh, his business is failing. So he's been searching for the stone um, to, uh, to so he can like rebuild his fortune and not be a loser. Like his exact words, like show his son that your daddy is not a loser. I'm a I'm a, like I'm a cool guy, something like that. Um, I should so, mention this premise I like. I think it's an interesting premise. I'm, I'm more concerned about the execution of it, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree with you with the execution because like from there we somehow, like it turns into uh, like, he just has a line of people outside of his office, just like he's uh, granting their wishes so he can take something back because that's how the, the, the stone works apparently. like. Uh, it grants your wish, but then you uh, lose what is most uh, precious to you, which is, I should note, is not really explained right away or very well, at least, because, like, he starts doing, like, granting all these, or sorry, sorry, his first wish is to become the stone so that he can grant other people's wishes and then take things from them. But, like, when it first started happening, he was, like, granting all these wishes for no, and it seemed like for no reason, and then he's just like okay and i'll take this and i was like why yeah pedro pascal figures out how it works before the audience does so <laughs> there's a bit of a part of like wait why is this happening and it the way that the wishes are granted is so comically like timed um like i, I don't know if you've ever seen wish upon no um Okay, it's this like it's like this teen movie about this girl. She gets a wish box, and she's like, and she starts using it to become popular. Basically, same kind of concept, but it's one of those like dumb teen movies where it's like, oh, I just wish this popular girl would go rot, and then like the next scene, the girl's at home and like her skin starts peeling off in the mirror, like in the same way where Pedro Pascal, he's like, uh, he he wishes he he becomes a stone, and then he makes a wish. And then he goes to his assistant and he's like, don't you tell me you wish for more help. <laughs> and then she's like, do you, she's like leading people into making these wishes. Uh, and then she's like, yes, I wish for more help, obviously, because like the rings are the phones are ringing off the hook. And then immediately someone walks in and is like, hey, is this uh, oil company such and such? Uh, I need a job. And it's like. It's <laughs> I don't know if I can explain how like. It's comical, but like when you explain it like this, it almost seems like it's an okay and interesting movie. <laughs> the thing that yeah. you you're not doing justice for is like everything is executed really poorly, and the tone jumps overall all over the place. The example I'll use is like if you've seen the trailer, the trailer was actually really good. It was making me excited for this movie. Um, mm -hmm. There's a scene about Chris Pine changing clothes, and then he makes a joke about like, "Oh, does everyone parachute these days?" When she talks about parachute pants, and like that scene in the movie, you have like the right music, you have the right editing to make it comical. And in the movie, it's just so flat. Like the music doesn't fit the, the way he's yeah. telling the jokes. It's almost like they took the worst cut and put it in the movie and took the better <laughs> cut and put it in the trailer. And it's, it, it doesn't do justice to say why it's bad to just explain the plot because it's yeah. how everything is done is just so bizarre and so poorly made, <laughs> which I was, that's why I was, I said it was shockingly bad is because it's the same director as Wonder Woman one. And that movie was pretty well made. And like Patty Jenkins, yeah. like I, I believed in her and she went on this kind of tirade, not tirade, but she kind of complained how at the end of Wonder Woman one, how there's like that big CGI fight that uh, that was something the studio told her to throw in. Um, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, you're saying the studio made you do one. And now this movie is your vision. 
and your vision and execution is garbage so (laughs) maybe listen to the studio more Is is this you saying that now? Maybe this is me the saying studio <laughs> That's no. how like Wonder Woman has broken Carson in that he's telling the the directors to listen to the studios now. Um, and that's another like another thing that I wanted to touch on, which is the ending. So like ultimate spoilers now. And this is this is a um I want to call back to how I mentioned there's like some weird like child almost childlike naive uh naivete for lack of a better word. I don't know if I'm using the right one. Um, but basically, um, Pedro Pascal has gotten uh, access to like some satellite <laughs> where if everyone is watching, he's technically touching them because of the particles. Um, so he can grant everyone's wishes at once <laughs> and, um, and simulta- simultaneously take like things back from everyone ac- across the world. And like, it, like it's showing like a terrorist like in the middle of a war zone is like watching him like oh I wish for a for nukes, and then like Wonder Woman to stop him like there's no fight like you mentioned there's no big CGI fight even with Cheetah, um, who's Kristen what Kristen Wiig has turned into, um, like Wonder Woman defeats Cheetah and. Pedro Pascal by giving them a stern talking to. <laughs> she's like defeated and she's sitting against the wall while Pedro Pascal is in like a beam of light talking to the whole world like give me everything. This is all that matters. I need more but why wouldn't you want more? And he's going off on this monologue and then uh, Wonder Woman is like um, she gives her a little like positive like you have everything. I can't even remember. Like you have everything you need. The world is beautiful. Like everything is awesome. And then apparently she was like talking to the whole world instead of Pedro Pascal. And then that just makes the terrorist like renounce his wish. Like, <laughs> oh, I guess I don't want nukes anymore. And he's like crying in a corner with his machine gun. And then Pedro Pascal just snaps out of it. And, like out of nowhere. Oh, okay. I have to go to my son now. Like I don't want it. I don't want everything anymore. Yeah, so there's the one part of that where Wonder Woman talks to every person in the world, and then in Batman versus Superman, she's mysterious and no one in the world knows her. So let's let's skip past that little part. But yeah, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that the people of the world are not willing to inconvenience themselves in any minor way to help out <laughs> the rest of the world. And so her saying, you know, you got to renounce your wishes to help out the world. Like, I was like, really? That's that's how you're gonna like because there was a part there where I was like, how are they going to conclude this? Like Pedro Pascal, he's, he's doing his speech. He's basically won. And it's yeah. like, you got to find some like really interesting way to, to close this out. But it's like, Nope, just tell people to stop. And that's good. <laughs> the one thing that, that I wish they would have nice. explained more is earlier in the movie, Pedro Pascal is talking to his son and his son uses his wish for his father to be good, not to be great, to be good. And so I think that's why he decides to stop at the end because he decides to be good instead of to seek greatness. But again, you need to explain that a little yeah. more. <laughs> I think you're giving them the benefit of the doubt there <laughs> with with that one because there's like, there's no reason, like there's not even a hint of I, that. I'm assuming that's what they meant, but you're right. Maybe, okay. maybe they just didn't. I mean, because it was a nice little, like it was a sweet thing when the son has that conversation with Pedro Pascal. By the way, he's Asian, and that's his son is Asian. 
and that's not explained either. Which I mean, it's cool. Like I'm all. I thought for, it was going to be like, like when are we going to see the mom to see that she's Asian <laughs> to explain this? But no. Nope. <laughs> like this, he's not. He doesn't say like you're adopted or anything like that. It's just he's Asian. But anyway, like anyways, that's not important. There's like the sweet scene where like his son uses his only wish on his dad. Like, and then there's it's never mentioned again. Um, even like at the end when he realizes that he loves his son somehow because Wonder Woman told him he does. Um, so I mean, I, I, I could go on forever. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll say like a few of the things that I, cause I'm saying all these bad things as if they, like I didn't like them, <laughs> but I, I do, but I, 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 sh- I feel like I should call out a few things that were not so bad that I also like. Cause like Kristen Wiig, uh, Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, um, what's his name? Pedro Pascal. Like they're all likable people and good, decent to good actors. Um, Kristen Wiig in particular, I liked, even though it was like kind of a a thin character. It's like a it's a, it's like a a common trope about the unpopular girl wishing to be popular. But I just like her. And a note on that, which is a thing I always dislike about when they do this in movies. Kristen Wiig is an attractive human being. <laughs> and when you try to play her as a character who like, oh, all the guys ignore her and everyone hates her and she's not popular, it's like, no. It's like in um was the movie Rampage when The Rock plays a character that can't connect with human beings and no human beings <laughs> like him. He only connects with animals. Are you like, are you kidding? Everyone loves The Rock. Even I hate The Rock and I would still be best friends with The Rock if I knew him. <laughs> yeah. I mean to be fair, in Rampage all, all the women still do like him. <laughs> um but yeah, it's yeah, there's that, and and also, but like she does a good job, I guess, until like things stop making sense about her character. Um, Chris Pine is like, even though he spends most of the movie like with his mouth open, like in awe of everything. Um, I mean, or maybe I'm just I just like them because they're likable. I don't know. Yeah, they're all likable actors and actresses. Yeah, like the the people were the right people for the movie. Yeah. I uh, mean... So here, I'll, I'll try to sum up this movie with one question for you. <laughs> this okay. movie currently costs $30 to watch. Would you recommend anyone to pay $30 to watch this movie? Okay, I want to be very careful <laughs> <laughs> with my recommendation. I, Because I, I 100% understand people saying that, or you saying, or other people saying that the movie is terrible. Like, but... I think if 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 you temper your expectations <laughs> um and I I think I would recommend I I wouldn't have a problem like watching it for $30 like if if I had uh, not that I didn't <laughs> I wouldn't be mad paying $30 to watch this movie because I was entertained. I'll, I'll put it that way. That's the simplest way I could put it. That's fair. Any other last comments on Wonder Woman 1984? <laughs> um, uh, so many. Uh, but, I mean, uh, I'll just... I, I don't want to take over the entire episode with just the 10th place in our top 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the, for those listening, we're not intending to talk this long about each of them. I think we just had some opinions on Wonder Woman to go through. Um, although, if you're listening to this and this episode is titled Part 1, then maybe we have. Um, <laughs> so, nine, number nine on our list. Uh, is the Pixar original film that just came out about a week ago, uh, Soul. Um, this movie, I only found out halfway through who did the voices because I was 
I was like, oh, these people are familiar. I wonder who this is. But it's um, Jamie Foxx in the lead role, uh, starring as a musician who has died right when he got like his gig and he's like kind of a middle-aged guy. And then he kind of basically have to traverse his like an in-between life to try to get back to his life so that he can go to his gig. But at the same time, uh, there's someone like an unborn baby that he has to guide through the world. And that's his excuse for like not being sent to the afterlife. Anyway, it's a very convoluted plot, but what I liked about it and why it's on my list is it's an original movie and it's an original movie that works. Like I appreciate as much as I slander Disney, Pixar is still (laughs) under the Disney umbrella and every once in a while they do these original movies that I just really, really like. And I felt like when I was watching this movie, I didn't know what was going to happen next and I wasn't able to anticipate it. There was actually a point where I was watching this with my wife and I turned to her and I said, I know how this movie's going to end. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I hit it to the end of the movie. And then we finally got to the end and she read it and it was completely wrong uh, (laughs) because I mean, I don't know. It's hard to talk about this movie without going like too much into spoilers, but I think the main part for me is just like original movie that has good values for children to learn about life that you can't, it's not like the typical children's movie tropes where you know where it's going to end. Like it does takes you on twists and turns and it kind of teaches you something about life, whether you're a kid or an adult. And I appreciated that. I I agree, but I, I feel like uh, it's, it's so un, unusual for a Disney movie that I feel like it's not at all for kids. <laughs> like some of the, some of, I feel like it would be hard for a, a a a kid to understand some of the parts of the movie. Um, but I feel like they simplified it enough, or they like softened it. Like instead of him being like dead and like forever gone, they just refer to it as the Great Beyond, and yeah, like I, these yeah. other souls are happy to go, and it seems like they're at peace. And it you kind of give this impression of death for children that you know, death isn't something to fear. It's okay. And it's like, you don't need to explain it too much. You just need to like frame it in a positive light. And that's the things that I liked about it from like a children's movies perspective is it kind of said like, okay, here's, here's your thing. And the part that I wish that it would have gone into more. And so just some info on the plot, basically he's been give this un unbirthed child or soul that's in in order to go as a a soul to earth and populate a human uh you need to find like six items of your personality and one of those is like your spark it's like the thing that motivates you it's your purpose um and this one soul has been around forever and ever because it can't find she can't find her spark and the main character who's like this aging musician he mistakes that for his purpose and he thinks his purpose is music and at the end they very lightly touch on the point that it's like oh your spark isn't your purpose it's it's your spark and where i thought they were going to go with that is like the spark is the thing that motivates you or like lights a fire under you it's not necessarily a purpose it might not be the thing that you're working at or actually doing it's like something else and i really thought how the movie was going to end is that he was going to learn that his spark was not music it was teaching and that was going to motivate him to be a better teacher that's what i thought too (laughs) um but it's like they touch on these things very lightly and you don't need to make it too complicated for kids. You just kind of like, okay, here, here's a concept. Here's a way of looking at life. And it's like, okay, I, I'm on board. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally enjoyed that, especially like the, the creativity of the concept. I just, my point 
was that I I don't know maybe I'm not giving kids enough credit but I, I just felt like the concept itself would was a little just definitely focused more towards adults but I mean could be wrong I don't know the, um, kids <laughs> one thing I didn't like about the movie is they continue to teach children that anyone who works in business just absolutely hates their life um (laughs) there's a point in the movie where they lost souls yeah lost souls and it's somebody who's like a a, you know finance trader and it's like oh anyone who is in finance obviously hates their life because they're not doing anything meaningful and it's like no some people actually really like their life um or like (laughs) they like that job and the main bad guy in the i don't know what you can call the in-between world is the accountant of that world and it's like you know, some people have a passion for accounting and they can be perfectly happy with this and the world needs accountants. So it's like, that's okay. And I wish they would have, you know, maybe not framed it like that as much. I mean, it was already, I I feel like it was difficult enough to have any, uh, any antagonist in that movie. Like, I I don't think it was that much of him being the bad guy, right? I, I was hoping the antagonist would kind of be the main character who was trying mm. to escape death and all that. And it was like, you know, move, move the protagonist to the unborn soul who it kind of did throughout the movie. Um, yeah. And I, and I wasn't a huge fan of the last like 30 seconds of what happens to the main character, but I won't go into ultimate spoilers <laughs> on the movie. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll leave this one alone for that. Sure. I mean, it, it came out pretty recently. Well, then again, so did wonder woman, but. And is this one, cause this is on Disney plus, is it just free on Disney plus or do you have to play a premium? It's just on... free. Okay. Yeah. It's just free. Which is great. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on for the most part. Um, it was super cute. I love that they have, uh, spoiler alert, skip five seconds ahead. Um, they had like a, they took a, a dig at the New York Knicks, which is <laughs> pretty funny for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just like, um, I, it, I was just amazed at the creativity, not even just for this movie, but for a lot of Disney movies, like, or Pixar. I just can't i don't know maybe just because i'm not creative like that but it's it's amazing to me how they can think of things like this like soul like how do you think of this story it's actually um back when i was in business school that we did like a a case study on pixar and what their business because it's really hard to teach businesses how to be creative and like they have an environment like that where they kind of channel their creative minds together that every step in the process you have to, as a director or writer, present to your group and they have to give you feedback. And it's actually a really interesting study if you're into corporate design or anything like that. Um, uh, Steve Jobs is actually the one who helped design the Pixar kind of business studio and how they kind of channel creativity. Um, so really, really interesting because yeah, they've been doing it pretty consistently for a long time now. So Yeah, well, that's cool. All right, that's all I have to say about Soul. Let's talk about something sillier. <laughs> um, did you? So uh, number eight on our list is uh, "Train to Busan" presents Peninsula, which is the official title. I'm just going to call it Peninsula because it has nothing, absolutely nothing, to do with "Train to Busan." Um, which, if you're unfamiliar, it's a zombie movie, a Korean zombie movie um, based. Uh, it's a, just a train obviously it's on a train that's going to busan because apparently it's like a safe zone um peninsula is uh not like i don't think any of the same actors are in it um it's just a big uh popcorn zombie movie um basically this guy who used to be in the army during the events of train to busan like he lost his family to zombies and now he's like uh a rec uh 
a lost lost soul <laughs> so um uh and he's just like wandering the streets of china and then he has to do a job for these chinese gangsters to get a, a truck full of uh guns money i can't really remember money. um from money from the like from the zombie zone like from the unsafe zone um so yeah it's just like an adventure and then he has to deal there's like um i I read a really good comparison about it being like escape escape from new york i think it's very Uh, similar to escape from new york yeah yeah which i've actually hasn't haven't seen but i trust the the comparison um and it's just very uh as far as zombie movies go I mean, there's like we've said before on the podcast, you can't go in a lot of different directions nowadays with zombie movies. But I feel like this is uh, unique enough, and I enjoyed the uh, the bombast of this movie. Uh, it's quite silly and fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when I when I first saw your top ten, I there are certain movies that I had questions about that I'm like, <laughs> why why does Paulo like these movies? I watched Peninsula. I don't like. Oh, okay. I I don't want to say I hate it, but I do not consider it to be a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I also don't have any questions as to why you like it. Like <laughs> I I get it. It's batshit crazy. It's also everything in it has been done in some other movie. It's kind of like having a nice warm cup of cup of hot chocolate and a sweater on a cold day. It's just like. You want to watch a dumb action movie? Here it is. Like the characters all do their job. It's like you understand who they are, what they're trying to do. You understand what the plot is, and things happen and are crazy, and you can just yeah. enjoy that. So I get it. Yes, I'm glad to see you think so highly of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that it's like no, a I'm shit I'm movie. Joking, I'm, I'm just joking, saying joking. like it's not no, no, going to win an Oscar anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, but. I can see not just you, but like if anyone were to say, "Hey, I thought that movie was fun. It was. I liked it." I'd be like, "Cool. That's that's fine." Yeah. And I mean, if you want, uh, and like, th- which is the reason why I gave a shout out to Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom because that will probably win an Oscar because um, everyone's outacting each other, um, even the, the supporting characters. But this, yes, one hundred percent will not win an Oscar. It is just insane and fun to watch. And I think you've helped me discover something about myself uh, as to why I uh, rewatch a lot of movies on Netflix, like really bad ones. Like, I don't, I can't give any examples. Like, actually, I I think I don't want to, I'd be embarrassed to to give examples, (laughs) but. um, I would say watching Peninsula for the first time kind of feels like rewatching a movie that you've already seen before. (laughs) <laughs> is it that like similar like are those tr- it's, well... they've ripped off a lot of movies like there's a big car chase scene which is basically mad max fury road the whole thing <laughs> is basically escape from new york like i guess if you haven't seen escape from new york like that's a major one that they're homaging like all the time yeah. and so it's like for me i've seen all these things and i'm like okay you're going into this set piece i know exactly what it's about um but it's like it's fine it works like your characters are not confusing they're they fit the movie and the tone you're going for they're all silly but it's like they're all silly together and they know what type of movie they're in so it's like okay fine you can get away with this i'm not gonna like complain about that too much yeah i mean that's yeah that's the that's the spirit of it one thing to mention Uh, though is that the cgi on the cars is like absolutely insane like 
the physics on how cars work in this universe is not of the planet Earth. It's like something else. <laughs> really? I don't really I don't remember it standing out to me that much. Maybe it wasn't like animated well, but like what what are you referring to exactly? Uh it's like all of the cars are indestructible and they'll just oh, like okay. and accelerate at like a million feet a second. Oh no, okay, no, you're right. <laughs> I remember now. And it's no, like, it yeah. reminded me of that one scene um, in Baby Driver, which is the the one car scene that's in the trailer where like he swoops around and then he like donuts around like a garbage truck that's coming out of an alley. And that's basically like every scene is them drifting like through a pile <laughs> of zombies. And there's no real consistency. Like when the movie wants a car to go through an entire horde of zombies, they just like fly through them. But if it's a bad guy, then it's like, oh, they get stuck because that's too many zombies. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Don't think or about if it's it too a giant much. Just transport truck that has yeah. to stop now. <laughs> the zombies will stop them. Yeah, but it works. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. That's I can just I could leave it at that and say nothing else, except um, um, I mean, and the the only other point I'll make is I feel like, and I think I feel like I've said this before on the podcast, but Korean movies, like ninety nine percent of them, have to have this like. Even if it's a silly movie like this, have to have this like dramatic tear jerking uh, piece to it, and then I think this one was like the 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 mother and the daughter. Um, oh, I'm I'm about to spoil it. That's fine. It's been out for a while. Spoiler alert! Skip thirty seconds ahead if you don't want to hear this. Um, there's like the at the very end, like they're trying to escape uh, onto like a UN chopper, and then the mother like. The, the mother of the daughter that he discovers in this like unsafe zone um he's trying to get them out but the mother's like about to uh, uh give herself up uh for, so her daughter will escape and it's like this huge like dramatic which is very kind of out of place i found out of place in this movie because like the the mother is like uh about to shoot herself <laughs> so her daughter won't come back to to save her which one, like, how would the daughter know that that's being done because, like, she's covered with zombies right now? But anyways, um, it's. It, I think what I'm trying to say is it's 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 a Korean movie. So if you, uh, if, <laughs> there's if a you're section, familiar with them, there's a section of that that probably should have taken about 30 seconds, but instead took like seven minutes. Yeah. It's like very very dragged out for every ounce of emotion they can wring out of it. Yeah, <laughs> and she makes up. She ends up making it anyway. Yeah. He saves her. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's all I have to say about that. All right. Next up is a very different movie. Uh, the only documentary of our list, number seven, is Boys State, uh, which is a documentary that is. I'm going to see if I can get the name right from Apple TV Plus. I think is their new streaming studio. Um, so Boys State is a documentary that is about a basically political summer camp in Texas. And it's a real thing um, that happens every year. It's like a two week camp where you go to do politics. And like, it seems like this is the entry, like this is almost like a mandatory thing you'd have to do if you wanted to get into politics, because like Bill Clinton went to it, Dick Cheney went to it, like a lot of like famous Texans politicians went through this camp. Um, and basically the idea is you get a thousand boys together you split them into two groups, like two political parties, and then you just say, you know, have elections, elect each other. Um, and so like the ultimate prize on all of it is like, who's going to be the governor? But then they also elect like internal roles, like the secretary of staff is the one who like runs all the meetings once they do that, like first day. And so it's 
there's a real like Lord of the Flies type element to it where it's, you know, these are just boys who are meeting themselves for the first time, but they're like, if, if you're interested in politics, you're interested in yourself being the politician. And so you have to somehow convince yourself people who want to be in power, you have to convince them to get on your team, even though they know nothing about you. And the party that you've been split into doesn't have any ideas or like, I guess, kind of platform. You have to come up with it all. It's just do the politics and it's like nothing else really matters. And so it's this really interesting story of all these like different kids who, you know, one guy is like more shy and he's trying to figure out how to find like his own confidence. There's another guy who's just like, I just want to be the governor. And it's like, Oh, what are you standing for? It's like, I don't know. I'll figure that out once I know what other people want. And it's like <laughs> a very interesting commentary on politics. And like over the course of these two weeks, like they get very cutthroat on each other trying to figure out like, um, they're about to do like speeches, like the final two candidates who are going to be the governor candidate for one of the parties. They're about to get on stage. And one of the guys finds on social media that the guy was at like a anti-gun rally, which in Texas basically means like no one will like you. <laughs> and so like yeah. 30 seconds before the guy goes on stage, he's like, Hey, I just want to let you know, we found out about this social media post. Good luck on your speech. <laughs> and it's like, all this crazy shit that happens. And then like, they start their own like social media accounts and they start like slandering each other behind closed doors. And it's just like, it gets really crazy. (laughs) This is real. This is a documentary. And it was, um, at the end of it, they showed where these kids are now. And because it was like two, three years ago. And it's like a lot, like some of them have gone on to, even though they're probably only like 18, 19 years old now, um, they're actually like starting their own political careers because, you know, some of what they learned in this camp. Um, But it's, yeah, it's like I don't have that much of an interest in politics, but it's like just a very interesting character study on like these different people and kind of what they've been put through. I'm curious. So I don't um, for for the the actual election that they do within the school. If when they win, it's just a mock, right? Like when they win, they don't win any power within the school, right? It's no, just basically, all... like the last day of the camp is election, and it's like you win and then yeah. You go home oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because like, okay, this is this is what I didn't really get about um, like these types of mock elections, because um, I did one in in high school and I, I uh, represented the NDP. By the way, we we won the the opposition, <laughs> um, which is not important for this podcast. But um, in in something like this, couldn't why can't they just be like, I uh, if you elect me, you get everyone gets a million dollars. That's the thing is like, they don't get a million dollars and like the people no, who I are know. voting know that. And so yeah. it's like, yes, why would someone else like you? Like, why would someone, cause they're split that there's a thousand of them and they have like 500 on each side. And so for someone to win, you have to get someone to vote against the party that they've been put into. Mm. And so the way they do that is like, they start spreading hate around the guys who have been elected to lead being like, Hey, you've just been put in this fake party, but these guys are total assholes. So just vote for our party. And it's like, <laughs> there's not much at stake. So it is really just like pure politics to get people to vote one way or another when really there's yeah. nothing at stake. That's cool. Because also you don't know what these people vote for, but then they decide to all like start talking about things about what their stance on gun rights is, what their stance on abortion is, which like in a very conservative Texas state to do anything that's not conservative is kind of like, no yeah and so when it's like when they find out that some of these kids are you know pro-abortion or pro you know or sorry anti-gun rights then it's like this is a, a huge thing against you 
and then there's like one kid who's black and then you know the other group makes fun of him like they say some racist shit and then they use that against that other like the whole other party to be like your party supports this stuff and so it really is just like created out of nowhere but then so much interesting stuff happens just because everyone's trying to get somewhere so they're just inventing shit up as they go yeah i feel like i've seen this movie in on reddit and in facebook comments (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no it does like but one of the messages that I kind of like at the end is like, it seems like a lot of them were spreading hate or like going hardline on certain things because they just wanted to be popular and they thought that that's what they needed to do to win. And then it's like, once they actually like talk to them after the thing is done, it's like, oh no, I actually, like the guy who made fun of the guy for being anti-gun rights at the end, he's like, yeah, I don't think I'm for gun rights either. I just said those things because I thought it would get me elected. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's interesting. It's a maybe a, a bit of a um, a behind the scenes look at real politics, which I yeah, which I appreciate. I might yeah. actually check that one out. Yeah, that's uh, all I have to say about Boy State. I kind of don't. <laughs> no, never mind. Uh, okay, <laughs> so. The, the next um, movie on our list, where are we at? Six? One, yep. two, three, four, five, six. Um, I had on my list, Carson did not have on his, was uh, The Outpost, um, which is kind of a standard uh, military action, not uh, true story, it's true, true story-ish, like a la Black Hawk Down, um, about uh, just this, obviously, this outpost in Afghanistan, which apparently is like the worst located outpost of all time, because like it's in the valley, uh, surrounded by all these hills. So like all, it's just nicknamed like it has some nickname like the Death Zone or something because everyone is supposed to die there. Um, and um, it's pretty standard. I mean, like it's nothing new like if you watched lone survivor if you've watched black hawk down we were soldiers stuff like that which i like all those movies and those types of movies so that's why it's on my list um you've probably like you've probably you'll probably recognize um uh parts and tropes of this movie um but i mean i think it was um i I think i'm going off how this one like I, i just i was very uh engaged in this one i went just watching it i i felt invested maybe i'm i was feeling for these characters who i will say they're not there's not much difference between them but like i don't know i was just i was into it i was all for it um i will mention that um uh what's his name clint eastwood's son is in this movie and he seems to be doing an impression of his father (laughs) Um, as like Dirty Harry, which kind of doesn't fit and almost took me out of the movie because it's like, you know that that Clint Eastwood look, like the the sneer, where <laughs> um, his son is doing that at like moments. Like he he seems to think that this is a like a straight up action movie, um, uh, which I I'm gonna I I took as like a mild negative, but um, otherwise I don't know. It was uh, interesting and enjoyable. Um, even though it wasn't like a strictly action movie, it's just telling the story. Um, and um, there, I, I will also note some of the uh, some of the acting seemed like 
any of the any of the actors that were not like that were unknowns seemed to be if if not like new like <laughs> rookie actors like um or just not experienced it seemed I, I think that actually worked to the movie's advantage because it they seemed more like real soldiers well, or like there real was guys. one of the guys one of the actors was one of the guys who was in the fight was he yeah, if you watch the credits all the way through, there's a guy who's like, I was honored to be able to play myself in this movie. Um, it wasn't one of the main characters. It was like a supporting guy in the back. Oh, okay. I completely missed that. But w- was it just him or were there others? No, I think it was just him as far as I saw. Oh, okay. Because th- there were some scenes where like some of, th- uh, some of the actors, they were like, it sounded like they flubbed their lines or like stuttered <laughs> a little bit. So I was like, oh, okay. It's realistic, I guess. It's not like polished. Um, so, I mean, I, I didn't take that as a negative either. And, um, the, uh, there's like a, a, a wiry, like, uh, a Weasley looking guy. I think he was in, um, he was in Get Out. He was the brother. Caleb Landry name? Jones. Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah. He um, fucking carries this movie. Yeah. He's like, he is the most like developed character and best actor by far in this movie. And he, like, in contrast to uh, Scott Scott Eastwood? Yeah. Yeah, in contrast to Scott Eastwood, who's, like, trying to be an action star, he is, like, trying to win an Oscar <laughs> in this movie, which is, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed him as well. So um, this movie wasn't in my top ten, but I actually did quite enjoy it. Um, it is one of those things, like, as you said, like, if you like this type of movie, you will like this movie. Um, yeah. If you don't like this type of movie, it's probably not for you. Um, but I do have two major gripes about it. Um, and the first one is around it almost doing something that was really cool. And I think for the first 45 minutes to an hour of the movie, they played with this idea of, as you were talking about, they're in this outpost, which is basically indefensible and everyone who comes here is going to die. And it's like, how do you deal with the fact that you're very good at your job, you're very good soldiers, but you're going to die here and there's really nothing you can do about it. And also they're not in a position where soldiers would ever question what the government tells them to do and so there was like they were presenting this interesting idea of what would this soldiers what would this mentality be like when you're in that scenario but then they don't really do anything with it so i was like i was really hoping that's what the movie was going to be about because i didn't know the true story i didn't know that there was going to be a big fight at the end i thought that's what the movie was going to be about was what's the mentality and then they they kind of drop it but at the very least, like it adds something to, it's not just a big action movie. It's like, okay, there's these other elements as well that are kind of fed into it. Um, the second gripe that I have is around, so everyone, like, because it's a real story, all of these characters are real people who are still alive today for the ones who survived it. And it's mm-hmm. like, you need to pick one of your characters and say, this is who my movie is about. And then you have to have side characters, not so much be their own character, but support that person's story. And I yeah. wish it was Caleb Landry Jones's character. Cause he's the most developed <laughs> character. And you would have something closer to like a hacksaw Ridge where it's like, here's their motivation before the war and then during, and, and like, you could tell that whole story, but they got bogged down in not telling any story because they tried to do justice to all of these people who are, still alive today and you're telling their story you have to make them all good and it kind of reminded me of why i don't like some of the avengers movies is because every movie in avenger or every character that's in avengers is somebody's best character or somebody's favorite character and so you feel the need that you have to do justice to that character and not just make them a side character and that's what this movie felt like is like every character was a main character but you didn't have time to develop any of it but in that trait you didn't have like 
the stereotypical bad guy like of the group or anything like that. <laughs> it was like at the end, I didn't even like when people were getting shot. I was like, I don't even know who this person is. Like, yeah. Well, it, they came close to that with Caleb Landry Jones, I think. But the the problem with that is that they started his character as being someone that no one liked. Um, which I mean, it was it's good. He had like an arc of and everything because he's the guy that no one liked. But then he came to be like a hero, basically. Like he was invested in his brothers and cared about them and tried to save them and everything. But like, um, like, yeah, like you said, it it kind of like it turned away from that at some point, and it was just focusing on everyone else and they gave um they gave some of that treatment to Scott Eastwood as well who was like the completely wrong choice because um he his character was kind of just like I'm badass guy um, and there's also a guy who looks similar to Scott Eastwood who's like the number 3 character and I kept getting him and Scott Eastwood mixed up because they <laughs> look very similar yeah and I got confused around like what were their character arcs <laughs> um which I mean, of there, there were not many because I don't think, uh, like, like you said, they were trying to do uh, do right by the real people, and I don't think the real people had <laughs> character arcs um, at this level. The other thing I'll say about the movie is, so it gets to a point where you're like, oh, this is the end action scene, and I went to look at how far in the movie, and I was like, oh, there's another hour to go. <laughs> it's like, oh, this finale is going to be an hour-long action scene, which, again, if you like that, it delivers. So Yeah. I mean, even, as far as action scenes go, it wasn't even, like, like it, it wasn't even, like, a very standard action scene. It was more of them just, like, taking cover from, from getting shot at or blown up. And it was more, I think they tried to more focus on them, like, saving each other. It's just like it's telling that story of how they're heroes, which I mean, uh, I mean, it's fine. And I did appreciate that earlier in the movie, they made a point of like mapping out the camp. So you knew where all the things were. And so when they were talking like during this big action scene of like, oh, we got to get to this so we can defend this. And it's like, OK, yeah. I understand that because you've explained it to me. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, not not much else to say about this one. It's enjoyable if you like that kind of thing. It's very straightforward and just executed well, so. Yeah. All right. So number five on our list, and this is the last of ours that only one of us liked, um, is another Pixar original movie called Onward, which I have talked to length in in another episode that we already did. So I don't know how much more I want to go in depth here. But basically, it's a movie about uh, kind of a fantasy world about two brothers who are, I guess, what do you call them? Trolls? Are they trolls or elves or something like that? Um, in elves, the world, they're elves. like they've lost magic, and so it kind of looks like modern day society. But you have like a little bit of magic. You have like unicorns and all these mythical creatures. Um, and basically, they're on an adventure where their father has died when they were younger. They have a spell that they can use over 24 hours to help bring him back to life. And these two brothers who don't get along very well are forced into an adventure where, you know, they get to know each other. They get to you know understand each other a bit more. Uh, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland uh, voiced the main characters. Um, I think, as I said in the last time we talked about this, like not a huge fan of Chris Pratt, but he does a pretty good job. Like again, similar to Soul, where the main character ends up not really being the main character, and I appreciated that part of like uh, Chris Pratt became kind of like the stereotypical annoying brother who's like lost in. I think they're going for like an '80s rock montage, but they're 
talk about him being into magic. And then it's like, by the end of the movie, you end up sympathizing with Chris Pratt's character more than you do Tom Holland. And like the movie has been told in Tom Holland as the main character. And it's just like, I don't know. They hit it out of the park on like all individual scenes and like what they were trying to do. The ending was not something I anticipated. And I also liked how they did it. And so it's just very solid all around. All right. I, I like paid attention to like 30% of this movie. Um, I mean, not because it's bad. I think just in general, like animated uh, films, I, I don't really like what's uh, um, like anime Disney, like Disney is a little, I, I watch a little more of the Disney stuff, but like, it's still, I don't know. It just doesn't grab me and I don't go out of my way to watch those things, which like, contrasting this to soul which is why i think i i thought i or i enjoyed soul more and i was more invested in soul because it felt a little more targeted towards older people from my perspective at least um but yeah onward is good <laughs> but just not something that i like is my particular taste even though my 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 guy chris pratt is in it oh and tom holland i like <laughs> and this is like I feel like I almost need to rewatch it because I've been I've been reading a lot of like top ten, top fifty lists and like onward is nowhere. And <laughs> even though this is our combined number five, this is my number one movie of the year. And it, yes, it's Wait, a what? year. Yes, this is my number one. This is number one on my list, and it's number five on ours because like consolidated together, and you didn't like it. Um, <laughs> and, and because twenty twenty, there's not that many things that came out, and so obviously, like, I, I if I compared this to my favorite movies of 2019 it probably may or may not even be in the top 10 because it's kind of a weaker year but i really really like this movie and no it's it's on no other list anywhere and i feel like uh when it comes time for like oscars to come out like soul will be the one that people kind of talk about more especially because you have that whole diversity angle where you know everyone's talking about diversity in film and like soul certainly does that um I don't know. I just, I really liked Onward. I, I liked the message. I liked all the characters. I liked all the scenes. I mean, I, I feel like I should watch it, rewatch as well and pay attention to the whole thing. But I mean, yeah, like I said, it's not, not my cup of tea, which I, I didn't, I actually thought, uh, I forgot that that was your number one. I thought, well, we'll get into the It, it was conflicted between that and what's going to be number one on our list. Um, for me, those were like one and one A. Um, but I don't know. I just felt it was a little more it's like it's the type of movie you want to believe in whereas like okay. other movies like can be more cynical about so it's kind of like wonder woman 1984 right <laughs> it's not at all like wonder woman 1984. <laughs> no i mean just like in the the positive message <laughs> I where guess, the world is awesome <laughs> i guess it's not the conclusion no, not... i was expecting to come to today <laughs> Well, hey, uh, audience, if you uh, agree or disagree, make sure to let us know on Instagram. Oh, we will be should also those. take that opportunity to say on our Instagram at Houston, we have a podcast. Uh, both me and you will be posting our top 10 lists of our own. Uh, so if you want to check out what each of ours was on our own and kind of the things that didn't make it onto this list, uh, we will be posting that shortly, probably before I, I upload this episode. So it's probably already there. <laughs> All right, so um, we've gotten through the first six, which were one of us liked and the other one didn't have on our top ten. The remaining four are movies that were on both of our top ten, so we both liked them. Uh, how about you introduce the first one? Yes, I will introduce uh, number four on our list, The Five Bloods, which is a Spike Lee joint. Uh, and you can tell 
<laughs> from beginning to end. I think nowadays Spike Lee makes uh, statements rather than movies. Um, and I first felt that watching Black Klansman, and he just turns that up to 10 uh, in this one. Um, and I mean, it's not necess- it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's hard to judge this as a movie, for myself at least, um, when I take that into account. Uh, but I, th- I still think it was very well done. Uh, the main gripe that I have with it is, um, I think at least on the first watch, uh, some of the acting felt a little awkward. Uh, and two, it, it, from one of the first few scenes, it was hard for me to get what he was going for, like the tone or the vibe of the movie. Like there's one scene uh, where they go to, to well, sorry, the, the whole point of the movie is that they're the, these four friends or these, these brothers, like quote unquote, like not blood brothers, uh, soul brothers. <laughs> um, they uh, they fought in in Nam and uh, they're going back to retrieve some gold and their friend's uh, body who died during the war. Uh, they hid this stash of gold and they're yeah they're going back for it. Um, and like there it's just a dynamic of these friends to like from the war to today. Like one of them played by Delroy Lindo is now like a Trump supporter. He's got the MAGA hat and everything. The other two are like one's a successful businessman. One has a uh, a daughter. Uh, in Vietnam from this lady that he messed around with during the war, I'm assuming. Um, And yeah, it's just uh, them. It's like their story. Uh, And that my, yeah, my second, Oh yeah. So the, the, the tone point that I was making, like when they first get back to uh, Vietnam, there's a scene where they're in a, like a a bar or a club and they're doing like a soul train type thing. Like they're all in a line. (laughs) like dancing down the down the uh the the dance floor and it's not like i don't i don't know it i don't know why i fixated so much on that part but it just confused me like is this supposed to be serious like and a lot of it's funny but i was just i was thrown off a little bit and there's other little bits of the movie as well that like are similar to that scene where it's hard to to gauge what the tone is supposed to be but i mean other than that it's like it's uh um, it's, I mean, it's a good movie. It's hard to, uh, I don't know. How do you felt, how you felt about I, it? I was okay with that soul train entrance because you had to establish that these guys were good friends and regular people before you went into like all the shit of the movie. And I felt mm-hmm. like it worked for that, even though like, yes, it's very spikely. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, so I, don't know, I was, I was okay with that part. Um, what you said about, and I forget the movie you mentioned during your honorable mentions, uh, being like a play. Oh, right. Yeah, so this movie also felt like it was a play. Like, it's hard for me to describe why, but it just felt like a lot of the scenes were like, this was designed to be a play, and this is a set piece, and it's just very dialogue-driven for a movie that's kind of about, like, Vietnam vets, and, like, there is some, you know, action that goes in. But yeah, it, it, it was just characters talking to each other, and I like that. One of the things I didn't like about it is there are some very, very obvious foreshadowing in this movie <laughs> that it's like subtlety and foreshadowing got thrown out the window. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I wonder why you're introducing this character. Um, but that aside, and this was a movie that I think I had talked to you a while ago about had you, if you had seen it and if it was good enough, because I was going to skip this movie because I had seen the trailer. I'm a little bit, not, I don't want to say fed up with Spite Lee, but like, as you said, like he is making statements more than movies these days. And even though he's a really good mm-hmm. filmmaker, 
he's not as good as I think a lot of other people think he is. And so I was like, okay, I was not motivated to watch this movie, but I finally watched it and I really liked it. I don't think it'll be high on my top 10, but it is on my top 10. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason why, which I would be very shocked if you told me I was going to say this, was because of Delroy Lindo. And like, I don't know <laughs> what the last decent movie he's been in, but he carries this movie. Like his character has the most depth for a character that's not, he's not the protagonist, but he's the most interesting character, I would say. Yeah. And he's he's the, so like I mentioned, he's the one who's become a Trump supporter. And he has like this, there's there's a lot of complexity because like his son comes to, to join them like without telling him. And so that's exploring the relationship with his son and like the, he's kind of going crazy, uh, even like turning on his friends uh, because of the gold and the guilt that he has over um, their, their friend that died during the war um, uh, because he accidentally killed uh, killed them during a like a firefight and his friends played by Chadwick Boseman yeah Chadwick Boseman by the way which also like, makes that very sad yeah oh man um, but he he was like the I feel like he was the black power actor <laughs> like from in every like he was even in Ma Rainey's um, uh, Black Bottom, which I mentioned earlier, like three oh, times. Right. Yeah, he. I forgot to mention. Um, he, he is like one of the main. He's the other main character aside from uh, Octave. No, not Octavia. Viola Davis. Um, and they're both giving really good performances. He likewise. He does give. I mean, he's not in the movie a whole lot here, but he gives. I mean, he's always good. I think. Um, but yeah, back to Delroy Lindo. I was. I was surprised. Um, Actually, I, I am surprised that you said that um, about him carrying the movie. Um, but I like I'm on the fence. Like, I agree and I disagree. Um, one, because he's given a lot to do. And at some points, I feel like he's a little overwhelmed by it because um, he's I don't, I don't think he's ever led any anything. He's never been the main character. Um, he, I've always thought of him as like a, a character actor, like is it, is it character actor? Character actor, yeah. Like, uh, can you give uh, like an example? Another guy like him, like Eddie um... Marzen. I don't know. Who? Eddie Marzen is like a British actor who you've probably seen in like fifty movies, but he's never led anything. Yes, yes, um, yes. But yeah. So like, oh yeah. Yeah. If you look him up, you'll be like, oh, that guy. Um, Eddie Marzen, yeah. But yeah, no, he's like his character is complex, and it's there. There's some scenes where it's. I don't know if it's poorly acted or if they're trying to take that character a bit to the extreme where it's like, mm. there's a scene where he's monologuing to the camera near the end of the movie and it's like not right into the camera. Yes. And it's like, I don't think it's acting. I think that's a style choice by the director. And I think that's Delroy fair. Lindo is doing it properly, but they're doing it for me. It worked. It, it, it was, they weren't trying to do it conventional. They were doing it a little bit more, flamboyish or like upplayed and it's like okay Mm -hmm. for me it it worked because and they justified why he had that guilt and why he had the ptsd so it's like okay if he was like that and was unjustified then i would say yes it was over the top and it kind of was at the beginning of the movie but as you get to learn the character a bit more it's like okay i get it i sympathize with him enough to make this character work Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair i didn't i didn't look at it like that because the i i I can see that he could have been bound by Spike's Lee, Spike, Spike Lee's uh, direction, uh, which I also have some like a few gripes with. 
Um, but I mean, again, on the on the whole, uh, it was. I think it was. It came together pretty well. Uh, the, he takes some. Uh, he takes some thinly veiled shots at uh, at America and Donald Trump. Um, again, no subtlety, which I'm totally fine with. <laughs> but yeah, there's a whole opening to that movie that has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I mean, it's just like, um, like the point we made with uh, the outpost. If you like Black Hawk Down and uh, Hacksaw, or We Were Soldiers, you'll like uh, the outpost. If you like Black Klansman, you'll like the Five Bloods. Yeah, it's based on the trailer. I I was not expecting to like it, so it's it's hard to say like who would like this and who wouldn't. Um, I would say like it's worth at least giving a shot just because it it's probably not exactly what you expect. Although at sometimes it is exactly what you expect. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's well acted overall, except for the French characters who come into it, who are god awful. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you felt that same way, but those characters are terrible. Um, well, yeah. like the all the 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 mine removers. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know if it's a language thing, and mainly the girl. But I don't know if it was a language thing. But it felt like they just didn't fit in at all. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, um, there's one other point that I wanted. To, oh, um, at the very end, um, where uh, the like, there's the whole scene about after they've retrieved the gold and like made it out of Vietnam. There's like a, a Black Lives Matter meeting. And they're saying like, oh, our good friend, like one of the guys, spoiler alert, um, one of them dies and like he gets blown up by a mine and then they like he he donates or they donate on behalf of him, like his share of the gold to like Black Lives Matter. And then there's like a whole scene of the Black Lives Matter meeting saying, oh, our friend donated this uh, like a million dollars or something like that. I was always curious, uh, did they did Spike Lee actually donate money to to Black Lives Matter because if he didn't that would be kind of shitty. Also is Black Lives Matter an actual organization that has funding now? There there is a yeah, there, okay. I think there is a Black Lives Matter organization. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I mean, where the Spike Lee part takes over. Yeah. And I mean again, it's it's a statement. So um but I mean, yeah, that's uh it's it's a good watch. Um the What's his name? The son uh, of Delroy Lindo in the movie, who was also in uh, White Boy Rick. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Anyways, uh, that's the only other thing I've seen him in. But he is like, aside from Delroy, he's the most polished actor he, in this movie. He is also in one of my favorite movies of last year, which is The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is oh, where yeah. I discovered him. And yes, he is fantastic. He's also in a, another TV show that's out right now about... I forget something about like an old sci-fi author um, in the title, but anyway, yes, he he is a quality actor as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a strange uh, uh, contrast, like, and I don't, I, I feel like I'm going to start being biased towards non-English speakers, but the the Vietnamese lady who um, who has uh, sh- sh- who they meet because one of the the brothers or one of the bloods like had a daughter with him, but with her. Um, she, I don't know if it's again, like the language barrier, like the French girl, but she seems to be not that good of an actress. 
I don't know. I, if you I didn't that. notice her at all, but there's one scene where he hugs the daughter, and she has the scariest smile <laughs> I've ever seen. And I was like, "Where is this coming from?" I I know what you're talking about, and I think that's it. At the <laughs> while we're in danger of <laughs> going on off on a bad tangent, I think it's just how her teeth are. <laughs> but it was her eyes as well. There was something scary about it, and it was supposed to be a happy moment. Um, <laughs> my last comment about this movie is like, so the two other guys who are the Bloods are from The Wire, and there's the one they guy, are. yeah, and there's the one politician who basically made infamous the the saying of like, shit, sees that guy, and like oh. he says it at one point. I was I kept trying to think like, where have I seen this guy from? And then he says it like that, and I was like, oh, he's that guy. Um, he seems like and the, really the one that got blown up. No, no, no. He's the the fat guy. No, no, like him and the one that got blown no, up. No, no, the the other guy who's the druggie. Oh, okay, okay. He's like an old detective on the wire. Okay, um, okay. But yeah, they they felt like almost out like, and this is I don't know if it works or hurts the movie, but they felt so out of place in a movie like that that it made them feel more like regular people and not ex soldiers. And at at a certain time in the beginning of the movie, I was like, these guys aren't soldiers. But then I was like, oh, these are just regular guys, which works for the movie. And I was like, I couldn't decide whether I liked their acting or not. <laughs> I think I'm more on the side of the, that it worked for me. Um, but I, again, like I, I made the point about the acting is a little bit awkward at, at times. And I think that's part of it. But I mean, not enough to, to complain. Yeah, overall even, good. Even though I did. <laughs> Uh, all right, that wraps up number four. Number three on our list is The Invisible Man, uh, starring Elizabeth Moss in the, I think, fourth reboot of the Universal Monsters universe in the uh, last <laughs> decade or so, um, and probably the best attempt in my mind. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's a bold statement. Uh, it was created... I think this is a Blumhouse movie, right? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. So... Basically, it's a very grounded version of the monster because like the Invisible Man in the comics, I don't know what the actual story of how they did it, but they did it in this one as a more up-to-date technology, like 2020 version of how you would do they, an they Invisible Man. They marveled it. Yeah, they marveled it. And But that's like not what the movie's about. And that's, I think, why this one, and it's very scaled down. It's not big on the action scene. It's not big on the effects. And it's really based on Elizabeth Moss acting a lot of the time. And it's based on why would somebody be acting like the invisible man? And basically the story of this movie is uh, he's a very possessive boyfriend and she's in an abusive relationship. She tries to escape from him. He might be dead, but then he also might be haunting her uh, to like just be manipulative. And it was just like the, there was a heart to this movie that's supposed to like, I think a lot of people would take this and just make it into like a dumb slasher movie or based it based on like tricks and stuff like that. But it's like, they had it based in like a very grounded drama of things that happen in real life. And like Elizabeth Moss, and I think this is the theme of this list, carried this movie um, <laughs> of just like acted like you felt like all of this was happening and was real. And like, you could never really tell like, is it happening inside her head? Is it a real thing? Um, and just like a very, very well-made movie, which was surprising for, you know, a universal monsters movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can definitely feel like the frustration and like the, the 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 questioning of like, am I am I crazy or not? Like just from her performance, which is I really really liked. Um, you mentioned that this was uh, part of the monsters universe. 
are supposed to be? Is it actually? So the Invisible Man is a Universal Monsters property. Well, and yeah, yeah. This is technically an adaptation of that. So it is. They did have to buy the rights for that. They okay, but, they have not announced this as being part of them relaunching that universe. I think okay. what their attempt was was to say instead of building a whole universe, let's buy these properties and just do one-off movies and try to do them well. Um, I, I don't think they're intending to launch anything, but I think with the success of it, they might be thinking about it now. Um, and for me, that would be a negative because I, I hope they just continue to make one-off movies because this one was really yeah. good. I mean, the, the the way that they told this story, it would not make any sense for me to have like Elizabeth Moss now become the invisible woman and then join like a team of <laughs> monster heroes. Like it's it's basically because it's gonna not join up that. with Tom Cruise as the mummy. <laughs> oh, God, because <laughs> this is like it, it's not about that at all. This is gaslighting the movie. Um, and it's just it's literally like. I mean, exploring in a kind of weird way that, like the the abusive relationship that you that you mentioned. So, I mean, yeah, it was good. Um, um, it was a little pre- predictable at certain points, like uh, um, uh, with the whole. I, I can't spoil it. Should do you I mean like it? the? Yeah, I mean we've been in spoilers on all these things, but do you mean in regard to like how the invisible man was used or what the reveal was? Um, wait, which reveal? Like, sorry, the reveal <laughs> of is she crazy or is she not crazy? Or did you feel that the action scenes were kind of uh, expected? Uh, no, no, the action the action scenes weren't expected. Those were that was like something that I wouldn't count as a negative. Like those parts were like well done. Um, I I kind of it was kind of easy uh, to guess that oh he made a suit and it's actually him. I mean, and to be fair, I don't think that's the the point. Is not that they're trying to hide that necessarily. Um, and and like the whole ending of her like hiding the suit and then coming back later and killing him using it um i think they did enough to mask that because like at a certain point and sorry this is full spoilers but like <laughs> she's being attacked by the invisible man or i think her brother or brother-in-law is and both. then he he shoots him and we find out that it's the brother that's in it and then it's yeah. like it then poses the question again of oh was it just the brother the whole time or was it both of them because yeah. then, like, we found out that the original guy is still alive, but it's like we don't fully know. And it's like mm-hmm. there was just enough of a question to make me go along with it. Like, it wasn't super obvious of, like, oh, it's going to be this. Yeah. I mean, it's not to the point of, like, ruining the, the movie or, like, not being, like, a certain level of surprise. But, I mean, maybe this is just the one time that I was clever enough to <laughs> to guess what is going to happen. Because I, usually I don't do that. So it, the fact that I, I feel like I kind of did, maybe... Uh, I'm I'm a little biased there, um, and the only other uh, gripe that I have um, is with with movies like like this, similar to this, um, it 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 falls into the trap a little bit of like she uh, is kind of digging her own grave as well by like not telling anyone right away what's happening or like just making absolutely sure that the way she's explaining things makes her sound crazy which i mean i i I get like she's just distraught and like that the whole point is that he's making her seem crazy but 
And that's the whole like point, like where the drama around it being about an abusive relationship, like that's where it makes those other things make sense because it's like, okay, yeah. she's acting a certain way because she's been in a relationship and has been manipulated like that in a certain way. And so mm-hmm. it justified some of those small things, which are like, yes, a lot of the plot wouldn't happen if you just kind of explain things in a simple, like th- there's ways around it. Um, mm-hmm. But because they put in enough legwork on establishing that character and that reasoning and that backstory, it's like, okay, I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, it's really good at uh, like, especially early on when it's not like, there's absolutely, it's at the height of uh, the question. Is he, is he actually there? Is someone, or is there someone there? Like you can really feel a lot of tension uh, in those scenes. It is uh, pretty, I mean, decently scary. Um, uh, Not for like the purpose, not not for like, just because there's jump scares or like, it's just, it's creative in in the way that they, that it's executed. And uh, I mean, they, they did a good job of creating like just the, the uneasiness of someone maybe being in the room, that kind of feeling. Yeah, and for me, like, the the ending was justified. Like, when you talked about, like, the you know, ending being predictable about how she takes it and, like, kills the guy. Mm-hmm. But for me, it works because the whole thing about has been about kind of a power relationship between them. And, you know, at the beginning of the movie, she's too afraid to even go out her front door to go to the mailbox because she's so afraid. And then right. at the end, like, her taking his suit and killing him, it's kind of like it wraps up that story of being like you had no power and then you slowly built it up and now you feel that you have the confidence, you have the power, you have literally yeah. taken his power, which is his suit from him. Um, so yeah. it's like, because both of those things were going parallel to each other. I'm like, okay, it works. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah, it's not like the point is not for it to be a secret. I feel um, it. And like you said, it, they do enough for it that it's justified. So, I mean, I don't count that as an, as a knock against it. So, but yeah, it's, it's good, well deserved of number three on our list, I think. Yep. Um, and that being said, moving on to number two, uh, which is The Gentleman, uh, which is a Guy Ritchie movie. It's a Guy Ritchie movie. We've all <laughs> talked about in this podcast. Have we? Uh, yeah. I think we've mentioned Guy Ritchie a few times. I feel like we like Guy Ritchie more than other people do. <laughs> yeah i mean it's funny though because i i've never like i had never for example seen i think was it snatch yeah that was one of his early ones or like the main the most popular that was one. like his second one that made him like famous yeah 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 i had i had not seen that until maybe like earlier this year and i didn't if even really like it that much um but i mean like i think late that most more recent guy Ritchie, like the gentleman um king arthur <laughs> um it's just i can't explain why but I, I just i guess i just enjoy the style um um and yeah it's it's, it's hard for me to explain for, for myself at least if but the point is if you like that kind of thing it's all very similar um but uh cool it's it's cool cool guy story <laughs> yeah and that's i guess another running theme of this of like if you like this type of thing you will like this because it, it's very guy ritchie-esque it's 
the same type of like fast talking gangster movies that you would seen in like snatch and lock stock and two smoking barrels and even like certain scenes of king arthur have like that same style as well and like i appreciate that he's going away from the sherlock holmes movies and he did aladdin as well so he was doing big franchise and it's like yeah okay now i'm doing my own like like the thing that made him famous which was you know character if you've seen his original like snatch and lock stock and two smoke and barrels the ending feels 100 percent expected because it's like oh you have these several different stories that are going in different directions and then they all you know collide at the end type thing and it's like mm-hmm. not super surprising in terms of structure but it works and he did it before and he strayed away from it and his career wasn't working and now he's going back to it. And I appreciate that. And it's like, <laughs> I don't want him to do new things. I just want him to do that same thing again. <laughs> um, and there's a good cast on this one. Like Matthew McConaughey does a very good job yep. in a role that is very Matthew McConaughey ask, um, not asking a whole lot of him, but it works. Um, Eddie Marsden, who we just talked about is also one of the supporting characters in this movie who, um, and you just have like a ton of supporting characters like that. Colin Farrell has a really good role. Um, That's like not a main character, but just someone who's, you know, adding color to the background type thing. And everyone's cool. Everyone says cool things. (laughs) And I don't know. It's just really well done. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's what you, it's what I, how witty I wish I could be in real life. (laughs) The, The way that literally everyone talks, like you said, but anyways, yeah. Uh, it's weird because it's like second on the list and I don't we don't have <laughs> as much to say about it I mean partly because we've already talked about it but I mean it's 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 a well-known theme yeah, it's, I guess it's a very comfortable-esque type movie of like it's just I, I watched it for a second time and I feel like it was just as good like it, because I think I'd said this about another movie early on but watching it for the felt first time felt like watching a movie I had already seen on repeat mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, okay, I know where it's going, but because people are talking in a cool way, I'm on board with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have anything else? I don't have much more to add to this one. All right. I, I've, it, it's tough because we've also discussed our number one movie previously on the podcast. But but we haven't gone into spoilers, so now we can. Oh, yeah. So number one on the list is Tenet. Uh, which feels like almost a boring conclusion to a list. It's like the expected answer. Um, This was the one that I was one in one a with onward on, uh, but for very different reasons, because I think we've said some of these things in the past, like Tenet is a very ambitious movie that sometimes works and sometimes does not work. And I appreciate what it was trying to do. And it was sometimes sloppy, but it was still good enough for me to really enjoy it. That's well put. Also how I feel about Wonder Woman, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So here's an example of why I feel that way. And this is, we're going into spoilers. So there's a point near the end of the movie where they're doing a, I forget what the maneuver is called when they're doing like a time thing. Where, pincer. Temporal uh, pincer. Temporal pincer movement, where basically you have two groups that one's going forward in time and one's going backward in time from like where the first group is supposed to end up and they kind of trade off there's a point in that yes like first of all the, the the visuals of like two different groups going in different points in time is cool but there's a point where you see it happen one time and then you see the perspective of those same events through robert pattinson's character who was also taking part but you weren't really aware and 
there, there's a part where you see John David Washington running and you hear a car honking in the background. And it's very obvious, like, you know, something's up, but it's not really explained to you what's happening. And then on the second time you see it through Robert Pattinson's, you realize that he's honking his horn for a specific reason. And I felt like in a conventional filmmaker, when they're doing that, they would have called out the honking very obvious to be like, oh, what's happening there? Um, (laughs) Whereas like it was loud Mm. enough for you to know that something was happening, but you were still focused on John David Washington and what he was doing, but it wasn't too subtle that you didn't notice it at all. And it's like, it, it had this weird, like it treated its audience in an intelligent way where it's like, I'm giving you information without spoon feeding it to you. And I'm kind of letting you decide how you want to process it and like whether you want to pick up on things or try to guess what's going on. And there's a few different times when that happened in the movie that I appreciated what it was doing and how it was doing it. And it wasn't like spoon feeding exposition to you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I mean, not so much on the fence about that, but like I I agree and disagree at the same time because the major complaint that I, and it's not really a complaint about the movie per se, although it could be part of the way the movie was put together or like the story was, um, which is like, Christopher Nolan, he, he does get very ambitious with his, like, he's been getting more and more ambitious with his movies. Uh, obviously, if you've seen Tenet, um, like, that part at the end where you're, that you're uh, talking about, I, I think that's the point where I was the most lost out of the, the whole movie. And that, I, I kind of, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a complaint, but a bit not, because I feel like it would make more sense if I watched it again, which I plan to. Um, but I mean, and, and I understood enough to, to be able to follow the movie. Like I knew what was happening and like the whole temporal pincer move, like, okay, I get the concept of that. I get what they're doing, but it's like, there's a lot happening, especially at the end that like, it, it's very, very hard to follow. And it's not like I want exposition. Like I'm not looking for it to be spoon fed to me, but I mean, once it gets to a certain point, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that feels like this, and I'm not, like, dumb. <laughs> but it's it's very... It, the the, re, the whole reason why I had this at number two rather than number one, because I had Gentleman number one on my list, was, like, because for that reason, like, it was very... It was a little... It, it lost me a little bit. Like, I still appreciate the the attempt... Like the the creativeness, the story, the execution, like everything was good and polished, but like I and yeah, it it was a little, it, it just lost me a little bit, especially at the end. But I think I understood it at a similar amount as you did, but I I wasn't bothered by that. And so for me, there's a difference between plot and story. The plot is the literal events that are happening. The story is what those mean to the characters and kind of you know, the character arcs and what you you're watching the Mm -hmm. story to learn and the plot was messy. And that's also why I had it as number two. And it wasn't, there are things about the plot that you don't understand that's going on. But for me, I understood what the story was and I understood like, okay, there's a temporal pincer going on. Things are happening and we're trying to get to an end point. I didn't understand all the little things that were going on, but I didn't need to because I Mm -hmm. understood the things that were important. And another yeah. example that happened earlier in the film is they were going through uh, some vault where they were like looking at art and um, 
the the art guy he's ex he's talking to robert pattinson who's posing as like the millionaire and he's saying like here here's all the things that you need to know and in our like he's saying things that i understood are going to be plot points when they do a heist later on but i'm not pulling off the heist i don't need to know these little details <laughs> and so when they were doing that like it was actually there was a heavy soundtrack going over top and you couldn't really understand what the person was telling robert pattinson the things that he were telling him were important plot details for what their heist was going to be but again like i understand that they are collecting information for their heist i understand that those pieces of information are going to come into play and they did i don't need to know all the details and so yeah similar to like the stuff that was going on in the temporal pincer like i understand the end point that they're trying to get to there's cool visuals going on and I don't, I missed a lot of small details and I would probably pick up on them on a repeat viewing, but I didn't need to know. And so it didn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you for the most part, but the, like there were certain things, maybe I just understood like a little bit less, like there were pieces that I missed that you understood, but I, I feel like the, the, some of the things that I was lost on, especially at the end, I wasn't sure if they were like, if they were big or small things, like if there was more significance than, uh, I mean, yeah, if the, if there was more significance to them, because I didn't really get them. <laughs> um, it's like the the main the main points I got, like they have to do this, they they, they have to stop the this before he dies. Fine, before the before the bad guy dies, yeah. But I, I guess I'm just like it comes down to preference. Like I'm a completionist, and I I want to know exactly what's going on at all all times. Um, um, and I I feel like I could probably get it more. Like I said on on like a rewatch, which I don't have a problem with. But um, it, it's I, like a small, like it's like one A and one B being tenant and gentleman for me. Um, like I guess that was just the little the hair that uh, put it under. And I, I don't think a movie should require a second viewing for you to understand mm -hmm. it. And like this movie does have problems of it being not very clear of what's going on all the time. Like I wish it was 5% more clear or obvious about what was going on. Like give me a little bit more exposition for me. It just, it wasn't bad enough that it ruined my enjoyment of the movie. Like I still, I love mm -hmm. the acting. I love the soundtrack. I liked all the visuals that were going on. Like, those things were kind of the meat of it that I was enjoying. And even mm -hmm. though I feel like I could have enjoyed it better if it was sharpened up a bit more, it's like, it didn't deter me from enjoying what the rest of the movie was. Yeah. Yeah. To be, to be clear, the, the confusion does not affect the enjoyment of the movie for anyone listening, curious about tenant. Actually, sorry if you are, and you're at this point because we've <laughs> explained most of the movie for you. But, or have we? <laughs> um, Honestly, if we took like half an hour to explain the movie, I don't think we could really explain the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it. I think it's it's hard to argue against it being like number one for the year. Um, if nothing else, it's a collection of great individual scenes that you may not understand what they mean together, but they're still yeah. enjoyable. And you know, like if you like seeing those. Uh, thing the videos on instagram of things going backwards you'll love this movie <laughs> i'm not familiar with these videos i don't know there's, there's like a there's some random things sometimes 
you know, like uh, the, the the Marvel, like the Marvel Avengers of the guys like coming out of the pool and pretending to be like the Hulk and Spider-Man. Have you ever seen that? No. Nope. Oh. <laughs> um, but I think it is safe to say, though, that if it was any other year, Tenet would probably not be number one on any of our lists. Like yes, compared last year, I, I think last year it was either Joker or something else that was our number one. And I wouldn't put Tenet over Joker. Yeah, I, I think Joker was like second. I would I would still put Tenet over Joker personally, just because of how like depressing Joker was. Um, but I, I think nothing would have beaten 1917 last year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really, really liked that movie. Um and yeah, I, I would still yeah, I mean, again, Tenet wasn't even number one for me this year, but I mean, it's still a good movie. Um, this is the second year in a row where our number one movie was neither of our number ones, <laughs> and I can't remember uh, what was number one for us last year. But this will take some. Our our hardcore fans will remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, comment on their actually, it's on our Instagram, so it probably is. Yeah. Actually, no, I don't think we posted our combined one. I think we only posted our two individual ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, not important because looking at 2020 in this episode. So, yeah, Tenet. Um, do you have anything, any more thoughts on on Tenet or any of our movies from today? I'll I'll shift away from 2020, and I think we can end this off by asking... What do you think you're most looking forward to coming out in 2021? And I know oh, I haven't man. asked you to prepare any of this. Um, you go first. I'll, I'll go first while you're thinking about this. So my number one most anticipated movie of last year was Dune, which did not come out and is technically still coming out next year. But I don't know if I'm as excited for it anymore. But I don't think anyone anything else I'm more excited for. So I probably have to like lazily put Dune on, despite the fact that I don't think I'm going to be that interested in it. <laughs> Definitely not Dune for me. Not that I not don't l- like like it or anything. I'm just I, d- I don't know why I, d- I don't really have a a particular interest. Um, my fiance does because Timothy Chalamet is in it. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'll end up watching it and think it's super cool. Uh, but I feel like I, I mean, it'll just be on my top ten, but it won't be in like my top three. Yeah. Um, I mean, I honestly, there's not a lot that I'm looking forward to. Maybe a Quiet Place Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, or or like No Time to Die. So one thing that you may want to look into is there's a Nick Cage coming Nick Cage movie coming out next year that is directed by a Japanese director Shion Sono who is like one of the most batshit crazy directors I've ever seen and he has <laughs> referred to this Nick Cage as the craziest thing he's ever done. Um, what? I think it's called like Ghosts of something or other. Uh, but anyway, I, I think it's probably going to be a not a very good movie but a very interesting movie. Okay. Okay. So if you look up Nick Cage's um, IMDb and look for that, it's one of those. Yeah. So so the the director like what would you like from other stuff that he's done? His most famous like, movie was a movie I think around two, year 2000 called Suicide Club, 
which was a movie about a pandemic sweeping through Japan of people committing mass suicide together. Um, and they do it in comical ways, like a bunch of schoolgirls all jump in front of a train together. Um, his stuff is all like very violent, but like fake violent. Like it's like splashes of yeah. red paint type stuff. Um, I'm looking up what the movie is called right now, but it's... So the, it, it's kind of like The Happening. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say, but maybe a little crazier. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking at his... Oh, I keep... uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland is what it's called. Prisoners of the Ghostland. I know they've cool. wrapped a filming of it, and it's going to be released at some point soon. Oh, it says January 31st, so soon. Also starring Sofia Butella. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> um, I, other than that, like, I even looked at, like, a, a list of... I mean, there's good stuff coming out. I think... I Normally, the, some of these things I would be looking forward to, but, like, I don't know, Matrix 4, like, Space Jam 2, there's not a lot of, like... Do they still have, because but... um, the original plan was there's going to be like a Keanu Reeves weekend where Matrix 4 and John Wick 4 come out on the same weekend. And I don't know oh. what the delays of that's still happening. But if that does happen, that would be quite funny. Oh, okay. I mean, it, it just, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of original stuff coming out next year, which is, I, I think, kind of a first. I'm sure there's like... a bunch of original stuff that people just haven't heard about yet. Yeah, and I haven't, definitely. <laughs> I, I will commit to doing full... Because re- I usually publish this as part of an annual report I put every year. But I will make an Instagram post by the end of January that has my top 10 movies. And I will commit to not having it filled with franchise movies. <laughs> okay. Cool. I will look forward to that as will all of our viewers, our viewers, listeners. All right, so reminder, check out at Houston. We have a podcast on Instagram where we will both post our individual top tens. And uh, thanks for listening. Happy New Year.